0: All right, folks, welcome on in to another edition, a special edition of The High School Huddle, your one-stop shop for everything and all things Section 5 Sports. I'm AJ Feldman, he's Carl Jones. I think I can only speak for myself. We have um, successfully thawed out, dried out from this weekend. I can only speak for myself. Carl, you kind of got the, the shorter on the stick. How, how have you fared in the days since?
1: You know what? I feel all right. You know, I'm, I'm a lot better now,
0: I will say. Sunday was my
1: day to wind down, watch some ball, leave still frustrated. My my laundry was stinking and stuff. But outside of that, no, I'm good. Uh, Friday was as bad as it looked. I don't know if any of you who are listening or were at the game saw it on News 8 or, or just heard or just looked outside. It was as bad as what you thought it was, okay? So shout-out to the kids for braving through that. Um, who all raised the bricks in that weather. And then the next day on Saturday, the rain wasn't there, but it was freezing. <laughs> shout-out to um, Sweeney Brockport having – press boxes though and they were heated kept me warm and didn't make me go insane but i'm all good now man i'm all good i got my my laundry's not stinking no more i'm warm i'm all put together i'm all good
0: yeah i took a picture of it um uh, may, we'll see if we up that we'll see uh what was exactly in the picture what uh articles of clothing but the the war room of our sports office after we got done just shedding off all our layers and it was uh A sight to be seen, for sure. So as you mentioned, um, we just got done with our sectional finals in football. Rainy on Friday, a little rain and cold on Saturday. We're going to talk about a lot of these teams um, in our previews, which I'll mention right now because I do a terrible job of teasing our guests. We have two very special guests coming on our show later to preview all of these matchups in the Far West Regionals. And as we've talked about throughout the season, we've got some teams going off to the Albany area. So we've got Frank Wolf of WNY Athletics. We've got Griffin Haas of WETN out in Syracuse, both very knowledgeable. You're going to learn a lot about these games. So um, you've got some extra time for these these Far West Regional games. They're going to be played on Monday because of the snowstorm. So um, I hope you guys enjoy that. We'll have that coming for you in just a couple of minutes. But Carl, we saw a lot of uh, great football, a lot of great individual performances for these uh sexual championships games um, what really stood out to you uh from this weekend's action of football i'm gonna you're gonna hear it later
1: in the podcast and uh, and i've been saying this for about 10 weeks now styles make fights and hilton and kennedy wood were the two teams where and if it was raining and it was a rainstorm i would feel confident that they would be able to come out on top Schrader, we all know their explosive quarterback play uh the washington brothers can make all the plays on the outside and not to say they can't run the ball, because they were also do that as, able to do that as well. But anyone who's watched the cadets over the past, I don't know, decade or so, they can run the ball. Good luck stopping them. And then running the ball in that weather, once again, is even tougher. Um, Robert Lowry and Jeffrey Broadnax were the show in that one. Thunder and lightning getting it done. Then they both got a touchdown apiece. Um, it, it was a fun game just to see that from that perspective. Obviously, the rain kind of kind of dimmed my viewing experience a little bit but nonetheless um shout out to the cadets for for um winning their sectional title in the first year and then a and then uh and then on the other side in a2 canada taking down east rematch but you were at the first matchup you know that the um it was a pretty close game with uh, canada coming back but this one i mean canada took off from from jump street um tachi crockton four touchdowns and he gave it to you however he wanted a 90 like some odd yarder, yarder short yardage, making dudes miss, all in the rain. I don't even know if he had gloves on. He's giving it to the old school way. I mean, shout out to Mr. Crockton because it was literally the Tashi Crockton show. I don't know if Kennedy gave the ball to anyone. I mean, they gave it to Tremel Coleman a few times. But when in doubt, give it to uh, Crockton and see what he was cooking up. And boy, it was a five-star meal.
0: No, and that's what we've been saying all season long. He's been their only guy, main guy. It was certainly enough. When you have a performance like that, and and with the weather, you know, obviously these were two teams that won who you definitely, they definitely got the advantage of the weather, both teams that lost in the regular season to the opponents. So um, uh, if you want to say one thing, I, I would say at least they were not, not some of them were turned into blogs, but at least wide enough a gap where you know, like if, like if Hilton beats Schrader by three points, because, you know, of the rain, you know, I'm sure the Schrader people are a little more upset with the margin of victory. Um, it's tough to complain too much, but I'm sure, um, there's still plenty of room to complain because, um, uh, it's unfortunate. Um, uh, you know, Hey, that's outdoor football for you. Um, my game, uh, on Friday, class double a taking care of business against Pittsburgh, Jackson green, not close to hundred percent. He tried to give it a go. Um, he ended up his biggest contribution was um on a a deep pass where he threw it he it was a reverse pass um so they were just trying to get him involved in ways where you know he can make an impact without having to run and jump and cuz he's still dealing with that leg injury. Um he did not play in the second half at all. He tried his his darnest in the first half, it just wasn't um enough for him. John Harding monster game, four touchdowns. He was our section 5 player of the week. So that was just you know it was it was tied at the half and then it wasn't in the second half and then uh, on Saturday's games how about the way that Batavia game ended Carl uh what what a show
1: I mean a show it was I mean obviously the box score and like the stats aren't going to tell you that it was something unreal but you just want to go to the last drive uh, Batavia has been, you know, whooping up on everybody this year. They took down um, Monroe, I believe, 28-6 to earlier in the year. So it was like, oh, okay, like this game not going to be that close, right? Monroe's up 8-6 late in that game. And then lo and behold, Javon McFarlane marches down the field, has a nice fourth down conversion right in front of you on the sideline. And then 10 or, seconds, 10 or so seconds to go, fourth and goal. McFarlane needs to make a, a get a score to win. Like there's no like, you know, get a first down like no you gotta get in the end zone and throws it up name slipping me right now but he was number four arroyo right vincent arroyo thank you vincent arroyo you know mostly Marys is a bunch of you know balls slipping <laughs> around or something like that nah my man tipped it to himself came down snagged it everyone around him falls he's just the one dude standing alone by himself i'm sitting here and i didn't realize i got talking back to the sports office but just a, what a way to lose. It's heartbreaking for the Monroe, um, for Monroe. Cause it was going to you know be special for them to finally be able to raise a brick, but Batavia, I mean, down, but never out team that had never had really a close game all year. So you wanted to see how they would fight back when the backs were against the wall and man, they came out swinging. They cut off that chair in the 12th round and man, they delivered the knockout blow. So Shout out to the blue devils for winning in spectacular fashion like that.
0: Yeah, that was one heck of a finish. We had a couple of good ones. Um, Attica taking down East Rochester Cananda, sixteen to eight. Landon Thomas doing the show there, knocking off the defending sectional champs. OAE, OAE type things. Uh, Carl, you finally, we finally got a chance to see the Aggies. Uh, they fit the bill, huh?
1: Yeah, they're pretty good. Um, <laughs> Bodie High, Noah Curry. Are, I mean, we talk about how you know Manny Sapulpa is one of those kids who's class, in class C, but he's really a double A type of guy. Those two backs got no business playing in, in class D ball because they can ball, man. They're really darn good. I, I would be very shocked if they don't play in Syracuse. Like that's a really darn good team, man. And it was my first time being able to watch them and great community had a bunch of sa- uh, uh, signs out front on the gate that I was able to show, which is kind of cool to show the school support community all coming out there, but man, good kids and even better on the field.
0: And then an eight man, Pembroke knocking off Canis Greenwood, the number one team in the state. We've had them in our rankings. Uh, We will have our rankings again. Um, Once again, we're going to have that just in the article on rochesterfirst.com. So you can see that. But at this point, the rankings mean a little bit less. But Pembroke getting it done with a 40 to 20 victory. I was at that game. Tyson Totten for the Dragons. Five touchdowns. He had a ridiculous game. 376 yards, 40 attempts um Pembroke's quarterback got hurt early on that game so he kind of had to just do it all running the wildcat and man that kid was something special um you know we we talked last week about um uh uh, foot Ethan Foot for Cassio Greenwood he busted out a nice run he had a nice reception to um to when it was a, a one score game in the third quarter he had a nice deep reception but um it was uh, Falski. Um, I'm going to get the first. Caleb Falski punched out. Great play. Carl was very excited to see that play. Um, a great. And then they scored a touchdown the next play. So a, a good a little sequence for their Pembroke there as they just really took care of Candice Steele Greenwood. I mean, that was a sh- shocker to all of us. We had them as our top
1: eight-man team at the bottom of our rankings all year long. But Pembroke, the Dragons, getting it done. I saw them a couple times, I believe, against Finney or Red Jack or one of the two. and They looked good then, and clearly show that they're good enough to win it again.
0: Yeah, 40 to 20. Um, that game was probably a little bit closer than the score indicated. I had to stay around till I think the fourth quarter just because I thought at any moment Candice Dio Green would, could turn it on. So um, those are our teams all moving on to the, uh, um, the regional round. Pembroke actually playing tonight as we record this on Thursday, so we're going to get those highlights for you tonight. Um, that'll be at Sutherland. As we mentioned before, you're probably aware – There's going to be a little bit of snow going down to the Buffalo area. So those games that were going to be played on Friday and Saturday are now being played on Monday at the host site. So you're going to get some home games for these section five teams. The one, um, the one caveat OAE is playing at Brockport because OAE has a grass field and um, you know, you don't want to deal with that this time of the year. So those games will be playing Friday. First off, we are going to bring in our first guest here. frank wolf of wny athletics breaking down everything um, for these section six teams provide a lot of insights. a great guest to have we're very sad that we did not have mary margaret johnson on the, the podcast this year we thank her for all of her contributions in the past but she's on to uh, to greener pastures but uh but frank delivered here so let's bring that interview to you right now all right now as we mentioned now bringing in frank wolf of wny athletics they do a great job covering section six high school football out there they they're at all the games and um our, our best source for uh for section six information uh frank
2: how are you doing today very well uh, aj and carl thank you very much for having me and thank you for the kind words about wny athletics we appreciate it
0: no we, we've seen your stuff uh it's great coverage um these games now uh getting played on monday this uh this time around as opposed to friday um Hopefully all the, the travel and whatnot isn't uh mess. Well, for you guys, it's probably worse because before you could just stay in one spot. Now you've got five different spots to go to.
2: Yeah. It's going to be tricky, but we'll get it done. And, you know, I didn't really have much going on Monday anyways, with the bills playing Sunday, we hope. Uh, so uh, it's fine. had nothing better to do on Monday night anyways. Exactly. I just so. worry about the, what, what I worry about most of all is the recovery time because let's face it five of these teams are going to be heading down to Binghamton to play uh Friday and Saturday in, in the uh in the semis so I worry about recovery time more than anything
0: yeah exactly and starting off with class double-a um I'm sure the reason why we had this snowstorm is because somebody uh, out there was like Ben and McQuay well at least this game will be played on a Friday this year uh as opposed to, uh, you know, all the the chaos and craziness that happened last year with COVID. Of course, that game being played on Tuesday. But we got a rematch this year. Um, Bennett versus McQuaid once again. Um, Bennett's been, once again, been dealing with some weird things going on, some um, controversy. Why don't you, first off, just kind of explain what they've been going through this year?
2: Well, I'll say this. You know, the only reason why Bennett is not undefeated in their Section 6 schedule is because of a clerical error. Um, anybody who's watched this team, from this area or afar knows that Bennett is a superior team in Western New York and the public schools. Uh, and, and they might be the number one team overall. Uh, you know, St. Francis will want, have something to say about that, but Bennett is, is just a class of their own. I hate to say it, uh, no disrespect to the, like Lancaster, who's had a seven year run of making it to the section six finals. Uh, but Bennett is just playing on an island for the most part. They've just been dominating team uh, week after week, they started off the season playing uh, Erie PA's McDowell, a top tier program, um, and they learned a lot in that game. They went to overtime, they lost, but they they had a, a tremendous showing there. Um, this is all to get. Pre- they are on a mission to get back to states in Syracuse. Um, you know they're not overlooking any opponents, but they've done what they had to do to get back to that game last year. They were out coached, they were outplayed against Carmel, and they don't want to let that mistake happen again. So they scheduled McDowell. They scheduled Austintown out of Ohio, two top-tier programs, you know, and then they got to deal with Lancaster, another team that is very tough to play against and, and out scheme, and Orchard Park is never lays down for anybody. And they took care of business in Western New York for sure. They they did a number on Orchard Park twice, um, and they beat Lancaster uh, pretty handily uh, just last, uh, last Saturday – excuse me, last Friday – at the stadium, Uh, and and they've got at least two D1 players uh, signed, sealed at this moment with um, Richard Perry committed to Syracuse and then uh, Jaden Lewis um, with UB, but there's probably another five to six potential D1 players on that roster right now. Uh, They'll be a force to be reckoned with. Um, They will not take McQuaid lightly. They will prepare like they would anyone else but we expect Bennett to roll to the stadium again. And that's because of what they did in this off season and the teams that they scheduled earlier in the year to prepare for this moment.
0: Yeah. And with the, uh, you know, the forfeits, the cleric Lara, things like that, have they, I I've seen some, you know, articles and stuff like that. Have they really kind of used that as a, once again, a an us against the world kind of like they did last year
2: with the whole, uh, the whole COVID thing. You could see some social media chatter and things of that nature, but they're, they're they're for the most part, even killed. I mean, you're always, every program has that parent or that fan out there. That's going to put stuff on social media and to excite things and make things, you know, more exciting. But I think deep down those players realize that they don't have a lot of uh, they don't really, have, there's not a huge window here. I mean, Rashard Perry is going to graduate this year. He wants to win a state title. So his focus is, is on McQuaid this week, one game at a time, do they use what the clerical error to their advantage? They, they really didn't need it. That was, that was something that they didn't need, Uh, but they didn't need that fuel, but anything, you know, these are high school kids, They're resilient. I don't think they needed the extra um, bulletin board material, if you will, but now that they have it, they, they're even more dangerous now than before. So you could say they are, but I don't think they needed it to get from point A to point B.
0: Yeah. And just looking at their stats, um, um, a lot of talented guys. The the one player that certainly sticks out, um, Jameer Thomas, um, yes. talked about Mr. Thomas because I've got him as their their number two rusher and uh, by far their uh, their number one receiver. So uh, um, what's he been doing this year?
2: So he's having an excellent season. He's only a junior and he's another one of those kids that when I talk about D one potentials, there's one right there in Jameer Thomas. I believe he's averaging you know almost twelve yards a carry. Um, he's definitely a threat. He's going to be someone you're going to have to contain. But he's not, uh, he, hes not, um, in my eyes, their number one threat. It's Jaden Lewis. He is their best football player uh, next to Richard Perry and f- from a skills uh, point of view. Uh, Jaden is the kid that's making the interceptions. He's in on every play. He's a ball hawk. You know, he's the one that's stretching the field. He is the one that's the, the threat on the outside. He's going to come down with the ball each and every time. Jameer Thomas is an excellent compliment. And I think a lot of teams are focusing so much on Lewis that Jameer is getting a lot of looks and he's having the numbers. Yes. Don't take anything away from Jameer Thomas. He earns every yard he gets. uh, But Lewis is the number one threat on the Tigers. Uh, Their quarterbacks have much improved. Um, Antonio Davis. I'll tell you the last three to four games he's played, his arm has really been quite, it's been unbelievable to watch. I'm very happy for the young man. Um, He struggled a little bit in the passing game last year. You saw that, especially against Carmel, but the kids settled down. Something has happened the last few weeks with that kid between his footwork, his release and his confidence. He is playing with an extreme amount of confidence and he looked phenomenal uh, at the stadium just this past Friday night. I was very impressed. I made a mention to his head coach about the improvement he's made since the finals last year to, you know, where he is right now as a, as a young man, he's, he's been great to watch. And very good for that team. I'll tell you what, the one kid, you know, we talk about Rashad Perry or even a couple of the other linemen that they have. um, We'll talk about them. But Noah McDuffie, uh, the head coach's son, that kid flipped a switch this year. He has, I believe he's just a sophomore. Um, He's another kid that you're going to want to watch out for. You, You have to know where that kid is on the field all the time. He's another one of those guys that can read a quarterback like a book. And he's an explosive player and, and he's only a sophomore. His uh, older brother is uh, Isaiah McDuffie of the Green Bay Packers. So there's, you know, a lot to think about when when you're preparing for this Bennett defense, but he's, he's one of the kids, one of the kids you're going to have to count for. I don't know how you're going to stretch the field with a kid like McDuffie out on out there.
0: Yeah. And no, Rashard Perry going to Syracuse. I see him, uh, Going as a D lineman, does he play both ways? And then uh, just kind of talk about kind of how he's been able to really take over here.
2: He, the kid's a freak. The kid's a freak. And I've been saying it since last year, you will see that kid play on Sundays. He is as good as advertised. I've seen him make plays that would scare the daylights out of a quarterback on film. He's, he does play both ways. He is a trench trophy finalist and probably, uh, probably could win that award this year. I will say this. I, I don't know if he's been bothered by um, some lower body injury this season. Um, he got, looks like he got a little banged up in that first game, McDowell, but he's played through it. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, a couple weeks ago with the clerical error did, did, did someone light a fire under that team? Well, I could tell you since that game, that kid has raised his game. So he might, have, might be over whatever was plaguing him earlier in the year. Because he was again scary to watch last Friday against Lancaster. Scary. He's going to be a handful for the McQuaid uh, defensive front. Yeah, and I mean and offensive front.
0: I mean, I mean, for, with McQuaid, they've got John Harding at, at running back this year. He's been doing some great things. Um, if if they can slow down Harding, I don't exactly know how the Knights get their points. So it sounds like Bennett certainly has the horses uh, in the run defense game to, uh, to, you know, maybe make a big impact in this
2: one. Yeah, they're they're exciting to watch. And um, from this vantage point, um, I, the only team I could see beating Bennett is Bennett. And, uh, you know, they, they've cleaned up a lot of areas that were concerning over the past couple of years, penalties, offsides, um, just the mental mistakes you make. And a lot of that um, has gone away. And you got to credit that coaching staff for really from the early parts of the season and in, in training camp, they beat into these kids' heads how important it is to stay focused and not beat yourselves. And I got to tip my hat off to them; they've done a phenomenal job. and And, uh, and they're, like I said, that we expect them to move on to the state finals. Um, if McQuade wins this game, I would have to consider that an upset.
0: Sounds like it as well. Um, down in Class A, we've got Jamestown once again uh, emerging from Section uh, 6. Uh, last year, they beat Canada Day with 35 to 14. This time, they'll be going up against Hilton. Um, you know, graduated Jalen Butera, your Connolly Cup uh, champion, but it seems like they reloaded and uh, they've got the horses once again this season.
2: They have, they have some standout players uh, again. Uh, Jalen Butera was the Connolly Cup finalist last year, and I believe he was also a co player of the state for Class A. Um, this is a hungry bunch. Uh, Coach Tom Langworthy last year, they, this was a very disappointed group after they lost to the Christian Brothers Academy at Cicero last year. Uh, heartbreaking loss, uh, controversial, if you want to say. Um, I was there on the field. I saw how that game went down, and, and I'm still annoyed with how that game ended, to be quite honest. Um, I thought they got shafted by the officials there. Was not afraid to say it then, and, and I still say it today. They, they got jobbed. Um, that game should have never ended the way it did. And, and I'm from Western New York, Buffalo. I'm not from Jamestown. I'm not, you know, I cover all teams the same. I've never seen a team get a job like that before. So I'm on the record of saying that, and I'll stick by that. But this is a different team. They had to open up the passing game. And Trey Drake is a commit at North Dakota State. Um, you know, last year he threw balls when he had to. You know, Butera did everything with his legs. They didn't ask Trey Drake to do a whole lot. This year, they did. He had to move that ball. He had to prove to Western New York that he could throw the ball. And he is a great quarterback. He's got solid footwork and a great delivery, um, finds his targets. Again, when he had to pass last year, he threw. And it, it should be of no surprise to anybody that he was able to pick up where he left off last year, and that was throwing passes. Um, and, and he is uh, he, he's a, a Conley Cup uh, contender he's a finalist this year uh, I believe he's thrown for almost 20 over 2300 yards he's got 27 touchdowns and he's been spreading the ball around there's uh, at least seven different guys who have caught passes uh, for touchdown passes this year for him uh, Colin Melendez is a big um, uh, target for him Darius Freene is another big target right on right um, his running backs so Carson Bain and Sean O'Brien these two guys are tough very physical. Um, Bain kind of came on the scene late in the season where O'Brien is not just a formidable fullback and short yardage guy, but on defense, he led the team in tackles. He's got almost uh, 180 tackles this year alone. Um, and, and he's a beast. He's, he's a football player. He covers the entire field. He's going to be a guy that you want to watch. I, I haven't been able to read a, a whole bunch on Hilton. Um, so I'm interested to see how they do. Um, I don't know how far this Jamestown team can go, but I know that they're playing uh, with a lot of animosity with the way things uh, went last year. I think they still have another chapter or two that they want to write to finish their story. And I know it would give them a lot of uh, great pleasure to reach the carrier dome this year if they can get another step further than they did last year. They have a small window too. Uh, with this quarterback, Trey Drake, a four-year starter there, he moves on. i not sure what they have in the pipeline, but they know they have a short window. And this is probably the year that uh, they need to get it done if they're going to get to uh, a state final. This is probably the best chance they have. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to game plan accordingly.
1: Yeah. So Hilton is a team that's been in double A in the past. This is their first year in class A. And they're one of those teams where the old adage styles make fights comes into play. They're uh, led by their little one 2 punch thunder and lightning, as I like to call them. Uh, Robert Lowry the lightning and then Jeffrey Ball next brings the thunder. So in talking about this Jamestown team, how do they stack up in terms of those teams that like to just ground and pound, run the ball 40, sometimes even 50 times a game?
2: So, you know, Jamestown is one of those programs that every now and again, they're in double A, then they drop down to A, then they're in double A again. Well, they're down in A by like four students. Um, Now they played Lancaster and Orchard Park week one and two, and they lost both games. Lancaster, um, probably a little, uh, um, maybe they were still thinking about last year a little bit too much in that game. Trey Drake probably tried to do a little bit too much to move the ball, and, and Lancaster came away with the win. Um, you know, it was like a 16 9, uh, one score game, but I think anybody that saw that game thought Lancaster was the better team uh, in, all, in all phases. Now, Orchard Park uh, basically came down to a botched snap. Uh, Jamestown moved the ball quite well. Uh, a lot of drop passes in that game and then a snap at the end, kind of similar to the Bills situation this past week that we saw with Minnesota, which as a fan, a season ticket holder, I actually left that game early and I did not see that live. So um, yeah, I <laughs> probably shouldn't even mention that with the section uh, people I sit in, but anyways um, so Jamestown, you know, they lost, they started the season 0 and two, but they've been on point since they've been beating teams up pretty good. Um, they really haven't had too many close games since other than this game was against Will North, which was, uh, I believe, week four came down to a final possession, but they played Will North just last week, uh, Thursday night, and this for the Section 6 Class A title, and they beat them, they blanked them 34-0, and uh, they've learned from their mistakes. Um, very well-coached team, one of the top programs for many, many years. Um, it'll be a dogfight. It'll be a dogfight, but they are used to playing double-A competition.
0: And I mean, you look at um, uh, Trey Drake's numbers, you mentioned them, 27 touchdowns, just one interception. So that's a guy who's not only going to, yeah, it's not only a guy that's going to sling it around on you, but uh, not going to give you the other team many chances to uh, to capitalize on his mistakes there.
2: Yeah, he's done a phenomenal job of protecting the ball, not turning it over and just making great decisions. He's a You'll see he's a pro-style quarterback. You'll see when you watch him, um, if you haven't seen the film already, he looks the part, and he plays the part. And I he's mean, a stream, extremely nice, uh, genuine young man. Yeah, I mean,
0: the similarities, uh, you know, he's going to NDSU. 27 touchdowns, one interception. Obviously, you've got Trey Lance over at NDSU. His, uh, his last year, I guess, um, for them, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. So uh, some strange parallels there. <laughs>
2: For sure. Yeah, I, I would say, though, you know, you know, pay attention to a guy like Sean O'Brien. He is going to be the guy uh, for Jamestown that would that Hilton's going to want to really have the game plan for. He's the guy you got to know where he is at all times on the field. And then heading down to Class B, AJ, gave me a heads
1: up that uh, Iroquois is nothing to play with. They'll be taking on Batavia also Monday night, 6 p.m. in Batavia. Um, Tavia just got off of a a miracle win. Hail Mary, if you so be it, against Monroe. Um, It was a a fantastic game. It was cold, but a bear through it, and we got the job done. Um, So what's about, I mean, AJ's been telling me, the stats speak for themselves. In your opinion, what makes this Iroquois team so special?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, it's the thing about Iroquois as collectively as a group, um, they just buy in quickly. And early on, like this entire team, you can't separate them. Like they're always together. Um, A real strong bond in that locker room amongst players and coaching staff. They just get along really well. Um, They all believe in each other. Um, I know that they sponsored a cross-training athletics throughout the year, which is an organization that comes in and works with the players on, you know, how to win, getting them in the right mindset. Uh, Mike Masters is a former coach, um, and he started cross-training athletics a while ago, and he's one of those guys out there that just can inspire anyone to do great things. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that really helped this Iroquois program is bringing a guy like Coach Masters in to just kind of give the, the players a, another voice. You know what I mean? Like a coach could sometimes wear, wear out his welcome with just talking to players as the season goes on. Having that other coach come in every now and again just to address the players, you know, having that other voice come in, I think really works wonders on kids, you know, just hearing from someone else every now and again. Um, you know, if a coach can tell you how great you are day in, day out, but when a player hears that from an outside voice, I think that reassures them. This is a confident bunch. You you have, you know, a, a team that is always in the weight room. They work out together. They do off season training together and they just, they bonded. And I think that's why they've been successful. And they got over the hump. Western New York Maritime tortured this team year after year after year. Well, Maritime got bumped up to class A. That left the door open for Iroquois to take advantage of Class B, and they did that this year, and they did it with a freshman quarterback. But this is not your typical freshman quarterback. Um, This young man, Justice Kleitz, is the younger brother of Trey Kleitz who set all kinds of records at Iroquois and even in Western New York with uh, passing touchdowns in a season. He's only a freshman, but he does not play like one. I was there for his first game against Southwestern, and I thought for sure that Southwestern would give him – a run for the money, you know, make him look like a ninth grader. And they didn't. And Southwestern is a tough, very well coached team. That defense was one of their, you know, saving graces this year. Well, Iroquois moved the ball on him. And and this young quarterback Justice played very well in that game. He's got some good receivers. Name McGoldgrick, who's not just a great receiver and dependable receiver for him, he's a good blocker and he gets it done on defense too. He gets his nose in the middle of things. And when you're playing in class B, Class B, that's when you start to see a lot of players play on both sides of the ball. Shears number game. You need that. And Iroquois has a lot of guys that can do that. Um, how about this kid who um, <laughs> you probably see the numbers is uh, Trevor Berry. Now, he's a Connelly Cup finalist, and he is a, he's a beast. He's only a junior. Last year, he could have been Jesus. the Connelly Cup finalist. He's also a wrestler. he He is a physical specimen. He really is. Um, he just finds the holes, or he makes his own, and he's got great breakaway speed. You're going to really enjoy watching him. Um, that's the kid that Batavia is going to. That's the kid that's going to keep Batavia coaching staff up at night. Is how to stop Trevor Barry because he just has a no-quit attitude. He's a wrestler. He doesn't know. You know, he just goes ball to the wall. Or, oh, I don't know. if I Now we're good. Okay, he just doesn't have. He has one level and it's just, he just goes, you know what I mean? Um, He's probably one of the better players to watch in west out of Western New York. I would imagine he's a favorite for the County Cup. He's up there. He's one of the four or five guys that have a legit chance of being named player of the year. I certainly think he's class B player of the year. It doesn't help having a quarterback um, who can deliver the ball and stretch a field that opens up the ground game. And then he does, it, he does it on defense as well. And then they got this guy, uh, Big Rig, they call him, number I think he's 77, uh, one of their linemen that transferred into uh, into the program this past year. You'll see him out there. Um, they, they just have so many guys that bought in early and put the time in. And then you couple that with a coaching staff that truly cares about the players. You know, Iroquois is – they're destined for greatness, and we'll have to wait and see. They haven't made it this far, you know. They're eleven and zero. Um, they faced some some adversity, especially last week at the stadium. Pioneer was a good team, kept them under twenty points for the first time all season. I mean, you look, you see the scores: thirty, fifty, sixty points they're putting up week after week. They almost put seventy points up a few weeks ago on Easter or Holland. So. Iroquois can throw the ball and they can run the ball and they can play great defense and special teams is no joke either. And that's another part of the game that, you know, when you get to this level, you have to be able to kick the ball and punt the ball and and grab any extra point you possibly can. So Iroquois will be tough, a tough team.
0: Yeah. And those stats, uh, as you alluded to for Trevor Berry, uh, a casual 225 carries for 2,181 yards. And 42 touchdowns, um, that's, that's impressive. And, and you talked about, uh, you know, your AA and A teams talking about these windows. It seems with the junior and Trevor Berry and their freshman quarterback, it seems like this is year one of maybe two or three or four where this could just be the start for this Iroquois team.
2: Yeah, like I was saying, Western York Maritime tortured this team because they, Iroquois was good enough to move on. It's just Maritime was really a class. They had class A talent playing in B. And finally the competition committee got together and said, you know, we got to do what's right They're They're too good to be playing here. So they moved him up. And uh, the, the kid I want to mention 72 Braden Donnelly, that's the, that's the lineman I wanted to talk about. He transferred into this program from out of state. That was like, I don't know. They struck gold with this kid because he is a beast on the line. And this kid could have picked another school or two to go to, but when he stepped on campus there, he really felt at home. But, he could have gone to a double-A or an A school, not too far from Iroquois, and he chose this school here just because of the way the coaching staff and the players all got along. It was like family to him. He's going to be a guy you're going to watch on the line number 72.
1: Yeah, just those stats are just ridiculous. I, I mean, Batavia has some own, some players in their own right. Jamie McFarland is a dude, especially on the basketball court as well, but he's a great uh, quarterback as well. Can't wait for that matchup. We'll see what the Blue Devils can do to try to slow down either one of those three offensive weapons that you refer to because even a receiver that only has 1,000 uh, yards in high school is bonkers. Uh, like, like that. I don't think people realize, like, you see 1,000 yards in the NFL, and you think, oh, that's the standard. Okay, but think about high school. And then think about Class B. Okay, so they clearly have some some guys over there. But in Class C, it's going to be an uh, <clears throat> uh, they're gonna undefeated Lackawanna team at 11-0 taking on Attica. And I'm looking at this Lackawanna team. The writers have them second in the state. But they went through a, a pretty contested sectional final game beating Fredonia 22 to 20. It's funny with these two teams matching up. It's not like there's, at least from the schedules, so to speak, there's not like either team's like far and beyond better than their competition this year. It seemed like they really competed to get to where they are today. But that sectional final game, 22 to 20, Attica played in a similar game that tight. What about that game? So it gives you belief that this Lackawanna team can like go further?
2: Well, with Lackawanna, they, they were up big on Fredonia. They let Fredonia back into that game. They had a comfortable, what seemed to be a comfortable two-touchdown lead at one point, and Fredonia just fought their way back. They got an interception, uh, maybe a fumble recovery, and maybe a couple of calls at the end of the game that went Fredonia's way that bought them some time, bought some, some extra downs, things of that nature. But that was a very gutsy performance by Lackawanna. Um, you know, this is a team that is – when you talk about confident quarterbacks – let's start with their quarterback, Billy Getchell, extremely confident kid. He's, uh, he's had the job since his sophomore year. I remember uh, Tom Prince, the guy uh, that helps me at WNY Athletics. Uh, me and him, uh, Tom and myself called one of his first football games at Chiquelga High School just a few years ago. And we were very impressed. And he was one of those kids that, uh, you know, being on the County Cup, I had said to the committee, I said, we got to keep our eye on this kid. He's a uh, tremendous uh young athlete and and he's got a gun and and he's only going to get better with time and he proved it this year he did a very good job he had a, you know he does a good job of managing the offense um you know he finds the open receivers he can move it with his legs they played a very tight game with the pew earlier in the year they could have gone either way until at the very end billy ran in for a touchdown to kind of uh preserve the win there take the to go ahead win there that's 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 you know what he was able to do that particular day but you know, they do come out of a, a rather a uh, weak division, no question about it. But they've shown that they can play. They beat Southwestern, a very good team. You know, they also beat uh, Salmaca, another very tough team. Uh, and then that Fredonia game was as good as advertised, probably the best game we saw a weekend. But I, I think looking back at that game, I had a chance, Carl, to watch that one more time. I thought Lackawanna was the better team all afternoon. And a couple calls went Fredonia's way that kind of extended drives for the Hillbillies. Um and it's it's tough for me to say because I spent a lot of time down in Fredonia. But Lackawanna was the better team that day and and deservedly they're moving on. I'll tell you what though, this kid, uh the running back, Antoine Threets has real solid breakaway speed. He is a very fast uh player with a ball in his hands, Carl. He's very dangerous. Um you know, Lackawanna can play defense, too. They're wide receivers. Um, you know, they make some circus-like catches. Um, Alexander Hall, I think we tried to get him on SportsCenter Top 10 for making the one-handed OB, Odell Beckham-type uh, catch earlier in the year. Uh, I don't think it made it, but it probably could have. Um, but if you guys want to go back to the WNYF's Twitter feed, uh, somewhere in there you'll see this guy's catch. Um, he has some very good receivers um and and they're a solid team coach Adam Tardiff does a great job but they're in unknown territory this is all new for them but they've handled it well and, and getting to the stadium for the first time since I believe 2008 um you know they've accomplished a lot this year but I know that they've got a lot left in the tank and they're going to give Attica a fight and uh and I'm sure Attica is, is thinking the same this is uncharted territory for the Steelers um of course you guys know uh Um, the famous uh, former Philadelphia Eagle quarterback and and ESPN analyst uh, uh, Ron Jaworski is a former Lackawanna Steeler where he wasn't even the starting quarterback when he was there, by the way. He was a baseball player. Uh, So, you know, he's got, they're going to have Ron Jaworski support this weekend. We'll see how far that carries the Steelers. But, um, you know, Lackawanna, they got a good shot. They got a good shot as anybody this week. It's uncharted
1: territory for Attica as well. I believe that was their first sectional title in program history a week ago. But so both teams are kind of, you know, in, I don't want to say no man's land, but, you know, whatever team is going to be more composed and um, and, and more down to earth in this game is going to come out on top. But to highlight some of those players that you referred to, Antoine Threats, uh, over 1,100 rushing yards with eight touchdowns. And then once again, another efficient quarterback out of Section 6. I don't know who's the quarterback guru out there, but clearly they got something in the water over there. 26 touchdowns, only five interceptions. Good ratio right there. Um, This would be a fun one. Uh, Attica's a team that – you know, I talked about Hilton grounding and pounding. Well, I saw Attica for the first time last week. And let me tell you, it's the same exact thing. Three yards in a cloud of dust. And if they break one for eight, nine yards, everyone in the crowd going crazy. But it's efficient and it works because they slowed down a, a very um, explosive ER Ganana team that has weapons. I mean, they have a guy, Manny Sepulveda, on the outside who they limited to the best of their abilities, and they came out on top of the win. So they've seen athletes before. They've been done a, a fairly good job, obviously, to get to this point to do so. But um. Based off of um, what I just said, another styles make fights. We'll see if Lackawanna wants to speed the game up or they want to play out of this game of playing out a snails space.
2: They've got a couple of real big linemen, too, that could, uh, that could get to the quarterback. Uh, Sunday Ikenawa, I always have a hard time pronouncing this young man's last name, number 55, but he'll be, he'll be tough um, for Lackawanna. Sunday Ikawanu, Ikeno- I believe that's how you say it, but he've, they've got a, a few other really big, solid – um, guys on that line um, that could get to the quarterback. And I, I think, if anything, that might be an area of concern. Uh, if, if Attica can run the ball, uh, Carl, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they continue on uh, using that uh, game plan. Uh, certainly keeping the ball out of Getchell's hands um, would, would probably be a recipe um, for success if I was Attica. That's probably how I'd want to approach this game is just trying to run that ball and keep the ball out of uh, Getchell's hands.
1: And then finishing up in Class D, but certainly not the least exciting because I saw OE last week, and let me tell you, they are as good as advertised. They'll be taking on Randolph out of uh, Section 6. Randolph, they have a guy, too, we talked about, Trevor Berry, uh, who's gone over 2,000 yards on the ground. Randolph has a guy, Xavier Hine, 2,000 rushing yards with 25 touchdowns. Obviously, in Class D, you know, the styles of offenses are going to be more catered to the ground game just based off sheer numbers. But this kid's clearly special. What have you seen out of him so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's averaging almost 10 yards uh, per carry. And this guy probably would have 2,500 yards if it weren't for – there's a team in Class D that kind of forfeited a a game earlier in the year for uh, a number of reasons. Um, And then they didn't get a first-round playoff game. So they only had to play the semifinals and then the finals – uh, but they're another undefeated team. Uh, Brent Brown's been with the program for many years. Um, this is a team that's expected to get to this game. They were expected at the beginning of the year. Um, they really dominated. They—they. Uh, they, I don't think they were in a close game all year. Um, Franklinville Ellicottville was our next best section, a six-class D team. Um, but but you know this, like like last week at the stadium. Literally, Randolph had the ball for the entire third quarter, so they're a ball control offense. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, but isn't this a, a rematch of last year's Class D title game? Uh, that might be
1: it. I, I, I believe so. Yeah, lead. yeah.
2: And, and I was at that game. I, I was at that game, and and I was very impressed with uh, with Oakfield. Very tough team. Um, good in all phases and very physical. I got to say that was a very very physical team I saw last year. Very impressed well-coached, well-mannered kids, um, Randolph, this is their second shot at him, and, you know, they're going to have their hands full, um, they have a good young quarterback, too, um, that helps, that can swing it, uh, Carson Conley, when asked to, when asked to step up, he's been able to do that, I don't, I think he's had 10 touchdowns this year, um, only five or 600 yards throwing, it's been the Alexander Hines show, and rightfully so, um, you know, they have a number of guys that can, that can run the ball if needed, but, it's all about uh, Alexander Hind. They have a tough uh, linebacker there, uh, strong safety. Jaden Huntington, also big, very big, young, uh, big player. I believe he's 87. Jaden Huntington, um, you know, he's, he's one of the catalysts on defense, and he's a big target um, for when they do have to throw the ball. But I think, uh, you know, Randolph's got their hands full. No question about it. They got their hands full, and I'm sure they remember what happened last year uh, down at Jamestown. Um, so th- this is going to be probably a tough matchup for them. Um, considering how good their opponent is and the success that they've had in recent years. Um, I don't Are, are they senior heavy again, Oakfield, Alabama? Um,
0: you've got their two main guys, Noah Curry and Bodie Hyde, which are, <laughs> we've said that over and over again. Um, I believe, um, uh, Hyde is a senior and courier is a junior. I believe I, I have that correct yet. Yeah, um, Hyde is a junior. Um, yeah. Last year in that, uh, that regional game, 28 to 22 for OAE um, and, and Hyde and courier. That's, I don't know it's too much about class D around the state, but as far as a one, two punch in class D you, you're going to be tough to, to best them. How has, has Randolph faced a lot of top tier talent this year, or is this going to be kind of a, a wake up call for them?
2: Well, that's, that's the concerning part. They haven't really had a lot of adversity. Like I said, the best team that they faced was probably Franklinville, Ellicottville. I mean, they beat CSP twice handily, and CSP is a team that's got two state championships. Uh, in the last five or six years, I believe they won two state championships. Now, a lot of those parts have moved on, and they're playing uh, elsewhere now. Um, they've got some standouts that have, that have graduated from those teams, but they have some younger brothers uh, from those state championship teams that haven't you know, championship pedigree, if you will. They all went to Syracuse with their older brothers. You got uh, a couple of guys on that CSP team. But even that wasn't good enough to uh, to slow down the Xander Hine running back. You know, he, and they're just a, a punishing line. You know, they don't get enough credit for the offensive line that they have there at Randolph. But I I always tend to to favor the team that's gone through the most adversity to get to this point. How do you play when you're down? How do you play in a close game And Randolph hasn't had that this year. But again, we're talking about kids. You know, we're talking about 16-, 17-year-old kids. You know, they're very resilient. How much adversity do you really have to see on a football field? Well, that's anybody's guess. But I think it comes into play once you get to this stage of the season. And Randolph really hasn't been punched in the mouth. They just haven't. been. They've beaten everybody that's been in front of them with almost with ease. I mean, they had the ball for the entire third quarter last week.
0: Yeah. And, and speaking of, you mentioned not playing in a close game, not being down all year. Uh, That's OAE this season. It has just been uh, um, a wrecking ball this year. They played against Alexander in the class D championship game, a team that because of the at-large burst is actually going off to Albany. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do against a team that isn't OAE, but um, you know, the Aggies have just rolled through everybody they've faced this season. So um I guess they're both going (laughs) to be uh, faced with a unequal opponent for the first time this year. Um, That should be a good one as well. Um, So we've got a ton of great games this weekend. Um, Is there any one final thought you want to leave us with uh, before
2: we let you go here? Well, honestly, to those seniors that, that see their seasons are over from section five. I know you have a lot of people that watch your show. I just want to say, you know, thank you very much guys for going out and playing as hard as you did all year. Um, You know, you're, you know, you're, you're not defined by the football player that you are, you know, you guys are defined by your character and everything else. So I want, I want to say thank you to all those seniors that toughed it out. Some of them four years, some three, two, one, or however many years you got on your varsity team. Congratulations to you for showing out for your school and and yourselves and proving that you can, you can play football at this level. You guys, my hat's off to you guys. Uh, Some of the toughest kids you'll ever meet are playing that gridiron. You know, that's you know, we never say enough about those seniors. Um, but best wishes to all those kids that played their final football game uh, this past year. And I wish you guys all well um, in future endeavors. But as far as the five weekend, five games we have for this Monday night, guys, I'll tell you, these are going to be great games. They, got, they all have an extra week to prepare, or excuse me, an extra day or two to prepare for their opponents. I think we're going to see some fantastic football games right down the line. Where are you guys going? I'm going to be at the Jamestown-Hilton game.
0: I am good. We're still figuring that out because of the, the, the change. Um, I think we're going to, I think Carl um, is going to be me and Thad um, out at the games uh, this weekend. I believe I will be over in the, the Batavia area for Batavia and the Attica games. I think that's where I'm okay. going to be uh, this weekend. So we're still figuring that out. Um, the other thing with um you know, these extra couple of days, are they, I mean, these Buffalo teams, are they going to be able to, to get together and actually practice or is this going to be uh, back in a uh, zoom game plan practices for these couple days here?
2: I hope for them. It's not a zoom practice. Cause you're not going to get, I don't think you can get any better on zoom. Um, I didn't get any better looking on this program. So um, <laughs> I don't think they're going to get any better or prepare any better for their opponents. Um, you know, they've been going hard all week. I got to believe, um, they've been going hard all week they haven't taken their foot off the gas I would imagine they'll be ready to go you know like I said their kids are resilient and they want to get on the field so I'm sure they're doing what they have to do to prepare and it's no different to those teams in section five you guys have a good deal of snow that you guys have to deal with um, no different than us um, you know these kids these are tough kids these are tough tough kids and the coaches they're great they prepare like none other they're, these staffs You know, your five coaching staffs have to contend with our five coaching staffs. And I know they're 10 of the best coaching staffs in either league. That's why they're here.
0: All right. Thank you, Frank, for uh, joining us on the show. Really appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll see you out this weekend. Um, Hopefully, you know, snow doesn't hit you guys too bad. uh, And uh, and best of luck uh, with the snow and uh, and uh, to your teams this weekend.
2: My pleasure. Uh, AJ and Carl, thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate it. All
0: right. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. Once again, we want to thank Frank for coming on to our podcast here. A lot of great insights. Um, You know, with Mary Margaret Johnson in the past, he had a tough act to follow. I think he delivered there, Carl.
1: Yeah. And then some. uh, he clearly showcased, broke down every single game. It was insightful to hear his words and I can't wait for the five
0: matchups. Exactly. And then as we mentioned before, it is not just the far West regionals this year. We've got three teams from the Rochester area, Going out to Albany, uh, Griffin Haas, our Albany expert, our sister station over there in Albany, providing a lot of great insight and analysis on these matchups. Let's give that inter- interview to you. right now. All right. As we just mentioned, bringing in now Griffin Haas from WTEN out in Albany, sports director there. Uh, Griffin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for previewing these games for us. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing more exciting than a little uh, playoff football. So glad to, glad to be here with you guys. Exactly. So, yeah. Um... The, the Buffalo versus Rochester games, they all got postponed to, to Monday. It looks like, fingers crossed, we're we're staying out of this storm. Uh, we just get to see all the reports from Buffalo coming in. So these games will be played Friday, knock on wood. Um, first off, we've got three teams from our region going out to the Albany area with these at-large bids, as we talked about, all uh, season long. We'll start with the Class AA um, showdown between Pittsburgh and Christian Brothers Academy, um, Albany CBA for uh, – you I know, mean, there's a couple of them, but uh, yeah, wait, CBA, people upset. So <laughs> exactly uh, CBA, they have had a uh, one heck of a season doing a little look at, uh, at their teams um, rolling their second straight sectional title. Just what's uh, really been clicking for them this season. Yeah. I mean, uh, the main thing is their quarterback,
3: uh, Donald Jones. Uh, he is a junior. He started for them last year, but uh, kind of, they kind of had a rotational deal. But he's just a really dynamic player. Um, he can throw it, but, I mean, he's really – its he's as good of a runner as they have. Uh, just completely dynamic. Really gives defenses a lot of trouble. Um, they've got a really good tight end and Chuck Volins. Um So, th- they've got a couple of – and a good running back in Jameer Pitcher. So, they've got a lot of dynamic players on their offense, and they're big, they're big up front. I mean, obviously, when you get into kind of like regional and state play, you never really know – exactly how it's going to match up with other areas, so to speak, because we're comparing it all to to what we've got here in the area. But, um, I mean, undefeated, they really weren't tested too much. They had, um, you know, they won 21-0 in the championship game. They played against Shen uh, the first time and won pretty handily. Uh, their coach is very is very established. Bob Burns, the guy who used to coach over at Troy and has won, you know, state titles with them uh so they are they are tough out for sure um a very good team and uh, i don't know much about you know pittsburgh maybe taking a look at them but it's going to be a a a tough matchup for sure
0: yeah i saw you know last year winning the sectional title um kind of run into a buzzsaw the eventual state champs how does this team uh compare to kind of what they had last year
3: i think that talent wise it's not Necessarily the biggest leap, but what I think is the biggest difference, and even just talking with the team about it, is having the second year with Coach Burn. So he took over there last year; that was his first year there. Um, and because you know they are, uh, you know, a school that can bring people in that still hasn't really felt that impact yet. But I mean, you know, he can kind of almost recruit in some ways. <laughs> Um, they haven't had that that impact yet from that. I've just in talking with him, just because it's still only his second year. But just having his second year in his system, guys knowing what to do. I mean, they have a tight end, um, you know, in David Clement, who is uh, you know, going to Syracuse to play tight end and he hasn't played at all this year, he hasn't played a snap. So he he got hurt in a, a preseason camp and missed the entire year. So that's kind of one guy that they're missing. But you know, like Chuck Vollins, as I mentioned. Uh, has filled in very well. So it hasn't been too much of a drop off, but really that familiarity um, has been a lot, a lot different for them this year, where I think last year it was also their first section title and talking to them. It was like, they were very complacent with that, satisfied with it. It was like, they had the big celebration, didn't really look much beyond it. And then they kind of got into a spot where it was, they played again. They had the state champs and it was like,
2: okay, this is, this is a
3: little too much. And they were kind of this year's team. You know, I was talking to Donald Jones, the quarterback, and he was like, yeah, we went to the locker room. Like, We had some pizza. Like, We grabbed our stuff. We did. We went. We didn't play music. We didn't really celebrate. It was just kind of like on in the next one. So I think attitude-wise and just familiarity-wise, it's a lot different.
0: Now that Syracuse tight end, um, is he out for the year? Is there a chance he comes back for this playoff run? No, he's out for the year. So I,
3: He played for them last year, so th- that's where it's just like comparatively they don't have him. Um, so that's the only really drop-off. I think that they're a little bit probably better up front, but um yeah he there's no chance he'll play he He had a pretty bad knee injury so um he, he's out for the year which was a big bummer
0: yeah well uh, luckily uh securing the scholarship uh beforehand always always <laughs> good to get that out of the way <laughs> as exactly. uh, as carl applauds there yeah and i yeah. mean i mean pittsford um uh, i mean the big question with them is they got this guy um jackson green um he's playing uh division one football he's been hurt down the stretch so if, if he can go i think this will be a a, a test. If he can't, um, good luck to the Pittsburgh Panthers. I mean, I'm also looking at um CBA's defense. I got them at two touchdowns allowed in their last five games. So I don't know if that's just the the level of talent that double A is has, has fared in Albany region, or if that's just a really dang good defense this year.
3: Yeah, their defense has been very good. Um, has been very solid. You know, Donald Jones, their that their quarterback also plays defensive back, and he's actually getting looks, I think division one looks as a defensive back. So that also says how good he is how good he is there and how dynamic of an athlete he is um they've got a lot of good players that go both ways and i would say that the shen game it was pouring rain not to make excuses but it was it was an absolute downpour i don't know what you guys like the weather was like for you guys on uh the same title game yeah exactly so like those kind of games were a little messier um and then they played a saratoga team that you know it was a 10 nothing game that was uh you know, they—they, they, I know they're missing their quarterback. So um, I think that is a mix of circumstance, a very, very good defense, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, they played Shen earlier in the year. I think it was a 41-25 game, if I'm not mistaken. So that's kind of maybe um, a sign that they can kind of do it both ways if they have to.
1: And then going from the big dogs down to single-edged, Kennedy will taking on Niska, Niska Kayu. Niska
3: Yuna is how you pronounce that? It's Niska Yuna
1: it's the you know okay i, I knew i was
3: gonna pop it like i just knew I was. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah there are some names that, that are some tricky around here for sure yeah, yeah we, uh,
0: we stumble over uh what shenandoah 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 shenandoah
3: shenandoah will get you i remember my first day i i tripled over and my news director came up he goes you can just call him shen i was like all right sounds good i'm gonna keep that in mind
1: yeah but um this is a matchup two teams that are both 9-2 on the year. Canada go come off their fourth straight sectional title, although this year's team is a different iteration of the previous three. However, Niska Yuna, I'm going to struggle with that. Uh, this is their first ever. So, yeah. just, I guess, talk about, like, the how proud the school was and just the team itself that they finally got over the hump and raised um, a sectional title.
3: Yeah, I think that uh, it was very exciting for them the community was very excited about it um yeah not usually a football powerhouse it hadn't been in the playoffs in 10 years so it wasn't just winning the first sectional title it was they they just hadn't been in the mix and they were one of those teams that for us really came out of nowhere too because i mean as you guys know year to year you go into it and you you know a couple of teams that are going to be most likely hang around um and then you look at you know some of the other teams that you're like oh you know they've they've struggled historically and they started out one and two um yeah one of those losses was to a double a school so that's always tough and since then they've won nine in a row. so it's it's really just just hitting a stride and kind of you know going on a somewhat of a magical run aj i know you'll appreciate this their head coach is it's a guy played quarterback for the bombers so uh roll bombers there but um so we got that connection but yeah they've just been in the last couple games i mean they haven't really been close april park was a was a good team again uh you know blew them out 35-6 and played LaSalle team that was a little beat up but won 128 nothing they went through last year's defending champs and Burton Hills in a 9-6 game with field goals galore so again another team that's kind of done it in
0: all ways and has been you know tested down the stretch I mean speaking um, of oh, one one second, I want to interrupt you there for a second um, one better, uh, the Canadago head coach is also an Ithaca grad or uh, an Ithaca alum and the oh. son and the son of Mike Welch. No way.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's tremendous. All right. Well, we got an Ithaca Ithaca battle because Brian definitely played for Welch. So I'm sure that there's, uh, some connection. Yeah. We're we're hitting up practice today. I'll have to uh I'll have to
0: ask about that. Jeff, Jeff played that too. I believe he was a line or I believe he was a linebacker. And Mike does go to a good portion of the Canadawa game, so you might see him uh, up in the stands there. Oh, that is tremendous. I'll keep my eye out.
1: <laughs> we get a nice little uh establishing shot of that connection right there. That'll be dope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, talking about like how they won down the stretch they haven't a lot more than six points in four weeks. I mean, this team is at least from what their schedule has shown has gotten progressively better as the year has gone on. I know you said they came out of nowhere, but like, is there anything from like what you can tell that they are just doing much better than what they were doing in September?
3: Yeah. I I think again, it's, it's kind of just familiarity and clicking down the stretch. Um, you know, I haven't, you know, how it goes. Obviously we go to a bunch of different games. I haven't been to one of their games up close and personal um, that I've, I've, you know, just the way that the, the cookies crumble there. But uh from what I can see with uh like Averill Park, I mean A R Park's a really good offense. They 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 put up a bunch of points um in a LaSalle game and and it beat Amsterdam. I think they put up like 41 points, something like that, or or something like that. I, I could be mistaken, but they they put up some points. Um so that, that that was a good offense. LaSalle was a little beat up in that 28-0 game. And then Burnt Hills uh looking at them. You know, that was kind of more of a, a slugfest team. So I think that, that they're all proven teams that they that they blanked. I mean, they beat a Troy team 21-0 a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's – in talking with them, too, it is a lot of, you know, just confidence, familiarity, kind of – they've got a, a lot of young players. Um, so just kind of those young guys kind of getting
0: that experience down the
3: stretch because they're starting a lot of young guys.
0: And you mentioned they haven't made the playoffs in like 10 years. Um, how many well, – everybody makes the playoffs out here in Rochester. How does it work out there in Albany?
3: Oh, so in Albany, uh, they are in the capital region here. They only for, – for A, four teams make it. So, it's – there's two divisions. There's the Grasso division, and then there's the capital division. Uh, they are in the Grasso division. Now, only two teams – the two best teams from each division make it. So they won the Grosso division by being Burn Hills um, and played a regular season game. And then, and then they were in. So uh, yeah, they, there's only semifinals and finals for a class. C is a little different. They do eight teams. Uh, so yeah, no, there's only four teams that make it. So you gotta, you know, you gotta be on your P's and Q's here because if you tie it and there's three-way ties, it comes down to quarter points, which I don't even want to get into. There's weird tie breakers. It's all sorts of stuff. So, it, to make the playoffs is, is significant in its own right around here.
0: We are well familiar with weird points and tiebreakers. I'm sure everybody's got their same well, messed up way to determine these damn uh, teams. Uh, we just, we just let them publish the things and then we, uh, we, we look at them. So uh,
2: uh, I
3: would so, yeah. I, I was like the Charlie, uh, Charlie day gift from Elway Sunny with the whiteboard,
0: just trying to figure out quarter points. So uh, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, uh, godspeed to you uh, for that and then finally uh, our final uh, of the three matchups uh, on friday night down in class d we've got cambridge-salem ranked uh, number eight in the state right now taking on uh, R. alexander number seven alexander got housed by oe but oe is going to do a lot that to a lot of teams uh, tell me about this Ca- uh, cambridge-salem team coming into this matchup uh, undefeated on the season yeah uh
3: they are another physical running team. They've got a running back, uh, Evan Day, who, uh, you know, I don't know for you guys with Class D, you 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 have guys where you look at and you're like, that guy's just bigger than everybody else, and and he is that for them. You look at him and you're like, who? That guy sticks out. I mean, I think he would stick out for some Double A team. So, so he's he's a tremendous running back for them um they've got a couple of guys that that run the ball yeah he's uh just looked it up because i was curious he's 6'2 230 um so he's he's a big he's a big boy coming coming (laughs) he's a big boy coming out of the uh out of the backfield for them uh so that's that's one guy to look out for they got another running back bryce burr who's very talented um yeah i i think that Class D is is one of the classes because they are some of the smaller schools that you never really know what you're gonna get necessarily um you know they played uh, a Chatham team that was has a lot of good athletes but again they're smaller schools so they're smaller kids and I think that they just kind of out physical them um, they played Greenwich who won the you know chip last year uh, but lost some talent they beat them 44 nothing earlier in the year so um, it's one of those things where I'm excited to see them go against some of at some of the competition out of the capital region to see, okay, like how well do they hold their own um, against some of these, you never, again, it's one of those things you never really know, especially with class D for us where it's like, you could have a really good class D team or you get out and you say, okay, there's, there's some other teams in this, in this state that, uh that are uh, a, little, a little more complete. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, they've got Evan Day is really their, their go-to. He's going to, he's going to get the ball a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the st- stats on max prep. so I ha- I got them with, uh, um, three running backs with, with more rushing yards than their quarterback. So it seems like they're just going to pound and ground you to death as a, as a kind of often doesn't doesn't class to you there.
3: Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a quarterback. They don't really throw the ball much. He's basically playing point guard. He's like, let's just get these guys the ball and, uh, let's, let's get out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're looking at Evan days run for 110 and a half yards per game and Bryce Burr's running for 92 yards per game and, right now for them so that's you know 200 yards between those two guys and then they got another guys going for about 60 yards per game so uh yeah they are going to run the ball run the ball run the ball and if they can stay ahead of the sticks it's one of those things where if they can do that and they can get a lead and they can run with it but they did show that they can come back from from a deficit i think they were down 14 nothing in the second championship game kind of slept walk in the beginning of that and then just rolled from there um so they, t- they turned it on so i think how they start will be a big
0: uh determining factor exactly um yeah so so those are our matchups um kind of time to take a look at the whole it seems like if if you're gonna pinpoint one of your teams to maybe go on a deep run it's it's that cba squad that's really looking uh the strongest here um if you had to take yeah. a guess
3: as far as the teams that you guys will be matched up with that i would mm-hmm. say that, because we've got we've got a team in class c that uh, i think could really make some noise their combined team with lake george warrensburg north warren a three-way combination um they've been dominating uh but as far as the teams that you guys are playing i think that cba um has a chance if they if they were to win this game and carmel were to win they'd, they'd have a rematch there so obviously um you know when section one comes up a lot of times i don't know if it's similar for you but whenever section one comes up it's always a, a tough out so that that would be the the thing that would hold them back but i i know They've told us that they want that game. So uh, we'll, we'll see if, how that works out. But yeah, I would say CBA out of three.
0: Gotcha. Well, uh, we are looking forward to those games. Uh, thank you once again, Griffin, for uh, coming onto the podcast, previewing it. Um, we'll have all of those highlights on uh, channel eight uh, news eight Friday night. Thanks to Griffin and the fine folks over at WTN. So uh, <laughs> we thank you for that. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good luck uh, covering all the games this weekend. Absolutely. I'll send you a complete VO of just Mike Welch
3: if I if I find him. So uh, I'll promise I'll throw that up on online for you.
0: If I'm anchoring at eleven, um I, I will be glad to do that. Um, I will just run Mike Welch reaction shots. Um that's yeah. all I'm looking for. Thank you very much. All right, guys, thank you. All right, take care. All right, and once again, we want to thank Griffin for coming onto the podcast. Um, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it. Uh we alluded to it, but he was a classmate of mine over at Ithaca College, so Always good to have Griffin on the show. Uh, We thank him once again. And not just football. We've got a lot of other teams making their state runs. We just had soccer wrap up. We had a lot of great teams going out there. A couple from Spencerport, Avon McQuaid, of course. uh, A couple of girls teams, Byron Burgeon, Keshaqua. We had one state champion coming from section five. It was the Fillmore Eagles winning the sectional title or uh, the state title with a 2-0 victory. They had to win an overtime game. In uh, in the semifinals, so a nice run for the Eagles there, their first state title in program history, so congratulations to the Eagles right there. And then this weekend, we've got volleyball coming up. The boys, we've got two teams going, uh, both of our squads, Spencerport and Webster going off to the Far West Regionals. On the girls' side of things, we've got three teams going: Aronda we've got Wayne, and then we've got HAC going out to the Albany area once again. Um, we both got a chance to to catch up with the boys' teams. Uh, Carl, you were over at Webster. Kind of, would you kind of glean from your uh, your discussions there uh, with the Lakers?
1: Kind of a return to what they used to be. You know, this is a team that I believe won four sectional titles in the '90s, and then just hit a severe, you know. Went down, downward spiral. You know, this is their actually first sectional final appearance since the 90s, and now they make it back and they win in that year. Same legendary coach has been there the entire time, 33 years. Um, This is a team that only has three seniors, but the three seniors are pretty darn good. Um, They're confident that they're here, but they the the gist of the conversation was they're doing this for all of Section Five. Like they, that was the the gist I got was obviously they're proud to be here, but they made it clear that hey. We think Fairport could be the best team in the country. We think McQuay could be the I mean in the state. McQuay can be the best team in the state. We just happen to be the best team on that day. And we're gonna go down there and do the best we can to represent all of section five, not just us.
0: Yeah, and I have seen Webster play twice in uh in the regional matchup and the sectional final. Um, they be very good. Um, they can they can hit the heck out of the ball, they can defend. Um, their blocking is just extraordinary. I saw um in set four of the far west regional game they won four of their first five points with blocks and they they just get at you um so good luck to the teams down there i went out to spencerport earlier this week um that report already aired so you can check that out on rochesterfirst.com the webster stuff is coming out on friday but that spencerport team this is a, a squad that is basically brand new from that team that lost in that state championship game last year they got swept All games really close, 25-22. They lost nine seniors on their team last year. They lost their entire starting lineup, but they reloaded, they rebuilt their third straight sectional title. So they're looking to raise their first uh, state banner in uh, program history. Um, You know, Spencer Board has had a lot of great programs over the years, wrestling, girls soccer, of course. So the boys volleyball team looking to add a white banner up to the gym uh, as their players explained to me. So we have got a lot going on and we covered a lot for you. Um, we've also got swimming that's at the Webster aquatic center. So we'll see if we can get out to that as well. So a busy time, another longer show as we always do for these regional matchups, but thank you very much for joining us. We want to thank again, Frank, and we want to thank Griffin for coming on to the podcast. We got a busy weekend ahead of us. Um, Carl, it's going to be a fun time. Fun time. And a lot of hand warmers being used. Exactly. Well, uh, uh, luckily the volleyball we still have not figured out our schedules yet with the swimming and everything you know this football you know cancellation postponement has changed everything around but i think we might be getting out to the volleyball where indoor sports we love it we love the indoor sports we so. love to see that love it exactly so we will have all that for you on news 8 and on rochesterfirst.com once again Thank you for joining us on the High School Huddle Podcast. Uh, You can listen to us on rochesterfirst.com and on YouTube. You can also catch us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We will not have a show next week because of uh, Thanksgiving, a little holiday where we eat and we watch football. So uh, I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving break. Uh, We will be back uh, probably in two weeks. It'll depend on kind of where our teams go, what we want to do. We might do an award show. We'll see what we do. But we will be back with you at some point to talk again on the High School Huddle Podcast. So uh, time to break the huddle. For Carl Jones, I'm AJ Feldman. Thank you very much for
2: joining us. We will see you in a little bit.